So everybody say Cornerstone Word of Life Church is a Holy Ghost church. So what does that mean? Well, we've been a Holy Ghost church for 30 years. So I can start by telling you what it doesn't mean. So a lot of times people, and it's started to happen. And if you're here for the first time, I'm not, I don't usually go negative, but this is how the Lord told me to do it. Because I think a lot of people have a misconception what is a Holy Ghost church. So everybody knows slivers. People who are born again filled with the Holy Ghost, they know slivers of the Holy Ghost. They know uh, their favorite part of the Holy Ghost. See? And so when that favorite part is not continually manifesting, they say, you're not a Holy Ghost church. In other words, I'll just be real blunt and honest with you. My favorite part of the Holy Ghost is the rejoicing. The laughing, the jumping up and down, and the run around the room part of the Holy Ghost. He's, that's my favorite part. But if that doesn't happen, it doesn't mean I go home disgusted thinking we're not a Holy Ghost church. Uh, if somebody else's side of the Holy Ghost is, I, I've heard people say this to me, and it, it doesn't happen often, but, you know, especially usually maybe not on Sunday mornings. It happens more on Wednesday night or a saturation meeting. I mean, the Spirit of God will fall on worship, and we'll just praise, and we'll worship, and they'll go home and say, church was so good. Pastor didn't even get a preach. That's their side of the Holy Ghost. Another person who's gotten a hold of the Ghost, gotten a hold of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for prayer. We pray in tongues. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I pray in other tongues. I like the Apostle Paul. I thank my God. I speak in tongues more than you all. And so, if, if people aren't walking in, everybody's not praying in tongues. They're like, "Well, this is not a Holy Ghost church." Well, uh, th- that's not true either. That's not true either. Um, a Holy Ghost church is not where, and we've had this question, well, if I have a tongue and interpretation, can I interrupt your service and give it? No. Because if I'm speaking by the unction and inspiration of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost would never interrupt himself. He's a little smarter than that. And just because you have something doesn't even mean you're supposed to give it. Uh, when you enter church where there's a person in charge, they're the interpreter of the service, and they ought to know when someone has something. And if they don't know, if I don't know, that's on me, not on you, and I'll be in trouble for it, not you. Well, I'm just going to be in trouble if I don't give it. No, that's not true. I'll be in trouble. So you don't have to worry your little pretty head about it. Do we want the Holy Ghost to move? We do. But... Um, but we're going to get to it later, but the Holy Ghost moving is not, it's not in order like a frozen chosen, but it is still decently in an order. And there's rules and regulations of how the Spirit of God wants to do things. Now, what is a Holy Ghost church? Well, a Holy Ghost church ought to be a church where a bunch of people are filled with the Holy Ghost and on fire. A Holy Ghost church ought to be where there's the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. The nine uh, gifts, if you will, I like to call them manifestations of the Holy Ghost in operation on a very regular basis. But that is only as the Holy Ghost wills. And if you, uh, we're going to get to it later on, but we're supposed to covet those gifts. We're supposed to be zealous for those gifts. Amen. A Holy Ghost church is a church where the worship is anointed, where the praise is exciting, and God is moving on a regular basis. A Holy Ghost church is a church where if the Spirit of God leads, that, that you lay hands on people, and they might fall out in the Holy Ghost, and it's okay. A Holy Ghost church is uh, where there's divine interruptions and the Spirit of God moves. 
We want to be a Holy Ghost church. But number one, you cannot be a Holy Ghost church or a Holy Ghost person if you don't have the Word of God in your life. Mark 16, 20, and they went forth everywhere. The Lord confirming his word. So a person who wants a Holy Ghost church with no preaching, you don't want a Holy Ghost church. You want... I, 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 well, I'm just going to be bold about it. You, you, you want a flaky church. You want a church where there's no rules and regulations. You want a church where there's no boundaries. That is not a Holy Ghost church. That is a church that is headed for disaster. Amen. Hallelujah. We need the word. The Holy Ghost, can can there be services where the word of God is not preached and the Holy Ghost moves? Yeah, in a place where the the spirit of God, where the word of God is regularly taught and the people know. But if if you go somewhere and there's never any word, that scares me. There's wrong spirits. And just because it's supernatural or spectacular does not make it God. Well, Pastor Mark, you're supposed to be a Holy Ghost church. I think you're putting, uh, hen, you're putting your damper in us. I'm not trying to dampen you. I'm, not, I'm trying to get you so that we can flow together, you individually at your home, you in your workplace, you at the Walmart, you at the Kroger, whichever one you go to, you at the Publix. Don't want to leave anybody out. Wherever you go, where God can use you. Because if you know him, the Holy Ghost, If you know him, the Holy Ghost, then not just for church, but everywhere you go, he can use you. He's the person of the Godhead here on the earth. He lives in you. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so how do you flow with him? How do you uh, get the manifestation of the Spirit on a regular basis? How do you get the anointing in the room? You and I knowing him. You and I knowing him, knowing who he is, knowing what he does, knowing how he does it. We're not supposed to be blind to him. Now, I I said this recently. I don't like the term, well, I just stepped out in blind faith. There is no such thing. If you're in faith, you can see. You don't see here in the natural. You see into another realm. Amen. So number one, a Holy Ghost person, a Holy Ghost church is a word church. Uh, uh, the other thing, if you want to be a Holy Ghost church, then the people within the church, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple, open it up. There's a whole lot of Holy Ghost people. That's what we're looking for. Everybody say, I am a Holy Ghost person. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. What else? Well, a Holy Ghost church is where the people in the room know how to respond or yield to the Holy Ghost. So whatever the Holy Ghost is doing, then I've got to respond to him. If he's teaching, I'm taking notes. If a spirit of prayer falls in the room, I'm praying. If we're worshiping, I'm worshiping. Whether I like the music, whether the sound is perfect, or whether they're in perfect harmony or not, I'm worshiping God. I'm worshiping God. Amen. Come on. If the minister is preaching, and then I'm going to hoop and holler. I'm going to shout amen, pop the clutch, give it to me, whatever. And if the Holy Ghost is correcting, I'm going to say, fix me, Lord. Hallelujah. Whatever the Holy Ghost is doing, because that's yielding, that's responding. What, what, is, what is wrong is when the Holy Ghost is moving, you're saying, I don't like that side. Let's, I'm going to wait till it gets to the stuff that I like. Amen. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to yield. We're going to respond. Everybody say, I'm a responder. 
I don't know if you all are ready for this today because I'm about to throw you some meat. Okay? So, hallelujah. We're going to look at the Holy Ghost. Oh, this is going to be fun. Hallelujah. This may not make you shout. This may not make you run around the room. But I want to know every side of the Holy Ghost. And so the side he led me to today, you know, a lot of times, because you know, really when I started this, I thought we'd just jump to the manifestations. I just thought we would talk about the anointing. I thought we'd talk about praying in tongues and all the benefit. But every time I go to, to pray to get ready, the Lord will, he'll pull me back one more. Because I think, okay, we're starting. That's an interesting start. Well, Holy Ghost, if he wants to talk about himself, he wants to talk about himself. And so if, he's, if I'm listening right and all this stuff he's doing, because every time I step out to get out here, he's like, no, let's pull it back a little bit. So we're going to pull it really back today. Are you ready for some meat? So today we're going to talk about not insulting him, not grieving him, and not quenching him. We're going to talk about not insulting him, not grieving him, and not quenching him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He wants you to know what insults him. He wants you to know what grieves him. And he wants to know, you to know what quenches him. Woo, hallelujah. This is about to get good. If I know the, come on, the Holy Ghost is a person. If Ollie is my friend, and he is, he's a good man. If I really want to get to know him, and I know something just insults him or quenches him, I'm not, we're not going to have good fellowship if I keep doing it. He's going to avoid me. When I come in the room, he's going to walk the other way. When he sees me at the Walmart, I'm, I, he sees me coming down aisle one. He's going to go over to aisle four to avoid me. And don't you ever forget this. The Holy Ghost is a person. Well, he don't have any feelings. He's God. Well, you'd be wrong about God not having feelings anyway. Because he can be angry. He can be more or less pleased with you. Amen. Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. All right, so let's dig. Hebrews chapter 10. You know if we're going to Hebrews, we're going somewhere. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29, King James. Hallelujah. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who has trodden under the foot the Son of God, and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and has done despite to the Spirit of grace. Let's back up, and let's look at Hebrews 10, 26, and now and run into it. For he, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. But a certain fearful looking for judgment and firing indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much, so it's talking about what they did with Moses. And then it says about us, the new covenant, how much more sore punishment suppose you shall he be thought worthy who has trodden under the foot the son of God, has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite to the spirit. 
spirit of grace. This despite to the spirit of grace means you insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, vengeance belongs unto me and I will recompense, says the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Let's look at verse 29 in the Amplified Classic. Now, you're going to have to stick with me today because I really am going to give you meat. I'm going to try to build on something because if I know what the Holy Ghost doesn't like in my personal life, and I learned that, and the more of us that know that, and we cooperate with him, the manifestations will be greater. His anointing will be sweeter and more powerful because if I know how in my personal life and in my and when we corporately get together, if I work at pleasing my wife, if I work at doing what blesses her instead of what irritates her, we're going to have better fellowship with one another. This is about fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost and really knowing him. And today I'm going to talk to you some things. If you know what's going on in the current culture of the church, even people that I have respect, have in the past respected, are now saying things that are not in the written word of God anymore, but they're going with the pressure of the culture. What that does to the Holy Ghost. All right, so let's look at this in the Amplified. Hebrews 10, 29. Let's look at just 29. Hallelujah. If we get stuck here, we're going to be here forever. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10, 29, Amplified Classic. That's 26. I need 29. How much worse, sterner and heavier punishment do you suppose he will be judged to be judged to deserve who has spurned us, thus trampled underfoot the Son of God, who has considered the covenant blood by which he was consecrated. So this is talking about a person who was born again, who's in covenant. So it's talking to us. Everybody said this is talking to me. Because see, if you look at that, you said this is not talking to me. This is talking to you. Are you washed in the blood? Are you in a blood covenant? Amen. I'm in a blood covenant. Are you in a blood covenant? It has considered the covenant by blood which he was consecrated. So this person has been consecrated by the blood, sanctified by the blood. And so suddenly this person now says the blood of Jesus is common. It's not holy and profane it. And when you do that, you insult and outrage the Holy Spirit. Well, I would never do that, Pastor Mark, who imparts grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God. So I think this is the furthest part that people go, and this is what insult, it means to insult, to despise, you're an affront to the Spirit of God. And I'm going this strong to the other side, but I'm telling you today what I've heard people, I mean, I was reading something one time where a, 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 a modern Christian worshiper, singer who done a lot of albums, they suddenly said, I don't believe that Christian Christianity is the only way. I believe there are many ways to God. Well, I believed that when I was in college, when I was a heathen. You can't believe that today and be born again. And if you were once born again and you start thinking that way to be inclusive, because you don't want to offend anybody, and you know everybody when they die goes to heaven, that is a despite to the spirit of grace. That's an insult. And for you and I to know that and not speak up when the one who lives in us, that insults him, that should insult you. That's insulting to the spirit of grace. It's not something to be winked at. It's not something to be covered over. It's insulting to the spirit of grace. Because you're in covenant. You know better. 
You know better. You know better. So this is talking about that. So I'm going to dig right in. So the Lord, it's like, oh, Lord, I don't want to go here. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verses 31. Matthew 12, 31. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. Oh, we're going. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Verse 32. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. Neither in this world nor that which is to come. That's pretty big. Verse 33 says this. Either uh, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt for the tree is known by its fruit. So this is talking about salvation. So let's go back and look at it again. Just because if I blindsided you with this, I want you to look at it again. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. We'll start at verse 31 again. Hallelujah. So all manner of sin is blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But there's one sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. So you've probably heard many different things of what is this sin. I know when I first came in, I didn't understand this. And I heard my spiritual father say some things which make most sense to me. But I'm just going to keep it at the word. Uh, So if you blaspheme the Son of Man, if you blaspheme Jesus, it can be forgiven. So let's look and see because what am I, this, uh, this too is doing, is doing something to the spirit of grace. What is it doing? It's insulting him. It's despising him. It's rejecting him. Now, I know there's nobody in this room, I hope, that's doing that. But you've got to know him and how he is and what he does. And if you know the full counsel of him, you can understand him more so you can cooperate with him more. All right? That's what we're doing right now. So the Bible says blasphemy against the Holy Ghost cannot be forgiven in this life or the next life. What in the world does that mean? Well, I remember when I first started studying the Word of God, I was like, what does that mean? I've heard people say there's a lot of people in mental institutions who believe they have committed the unpardonable sin, and it drives them crazy. Because it's been taught in the church, well, the unpardonable sin is when you make fun of the Holy Ghost, when you make fun of Jesus. When you, um, when you say what the Holy Ghost is doing is the work of the devil. Is that true? Can that be proven? Well, I know this. Turn with me to um, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Because I've heard a lot of people say, well, the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is when something is done in the Holy Ghost, a person to make fun of it or a person to make light of it or count what the... In other words, when I was growing up, someone told me that speaking in other tongues was of the devil then that in their term would be blaspheming the Holy Ghost because it's of the Holy Ghost. Is that what it is? Well, this is what I know. If, if that's a sin, the blaspheming of the Holy Ghost is the sin that cannot, will be for not, not forgiven in this life or the next, then let's look at this. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. 1 Timothy 1.13, we'll start in the New Living. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Okay, let's look again, and let's look at this in the Amplified, not classic. Not classic. Amplified, not classic. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.13, just regular old Amplified. It's a rare, not classic. Amplified. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's a different one. It's different, and so I really want to get to it. 1 Timothy 1.13, AMP. Hallelujah. So it says that, he said, um, he said, I formerly was a blasphemer. I really need it in the AMP, not the AMPC, please. Hallelujah. Do you have it? 
There it is. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer. So Paul, what did Paul do? Blasphemed. So someone would look at that and say, well, then that can't be forgiven. Well, he's now Paul. And he's in heaven. And so, so what did he do? He was a persecutor. Uh, I was a blasphemer of the Lord. Well, no, it says that he was a blasphemer of Jesus, the person. Well, no, what he was doing, everything that was going on in the church, he was against. And he called it not from God. Miracles, signs, wonders, not from God. This movement, the way, not from God. So in the technical term, he was blaspheming the Holy Ghost. What people would say. But he was Saul. And now he's Paul. Hmm. He was a persecutor of the church, and he was shameful and outrageous and a violent aggressor towards believer. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. So no matter what he blasphemed and who he blasphemed, he did it in ignorance and unbelief. He wasn't doing it on purpose. He really believed he was right. But to me, he was acting against or blaspheming the Holy Ghost by saying all this stuff that you say is of the Lord, it's not of God, and I'm going to kill it out. And then Jesus interrupted him because he did it in ignorance and unbelief. My point to you is this. Let's turn to 1 John. and We're, we're, gonna, we're going somewhere. 1 John 5, 16 and 18. 1 John 5, 16 and 18. 1 John 5, 16. 1 John 5, 16. Through 18. Start at verse 16, please. 1 John 5, 16. Just King James. 1 John 5, 16. If any man see his brother in sin, a sin which is not unto death, so he shall ask, and he shall give him life for that sin, not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I say, you can't pray for it. The one sin, y'all remember this when I started, John 16, 13. What does the Holy Ghost come to do? Convict and convince the world of sin? Why? Their sin of what? Rejecting Jesus. That's the unpardonable sin. Why is it blasphemy against the Holy Ghost? Because you do despite to the spirit of grace when you reject him. You're not just rejecting Jesus. When the Holy Ghost deals with you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you reject that, you're doing despite to the Spirit of grace. What happens is this. You're, you're insulting him by not believing he's revealing to you that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and people reject him. People, um, people despise him. People insult him by turning away when he's telling them the truth. There is a sin that cannot be forgiven, and nobody can pray for it. You can't. You, when someone goes, when they leave their body, they're either going to heaven or hell based on their life choice, their decision, whether they received Jesus or rejected Jesus. There is no reason to pray for someone after they died. It is way too late. Well, I just don't believe God sends people to hell. He doesn't. They choose. And I guarantee you, the Holy Ghost has dealt with every person on planet Earth. We have to believe that. That's what he does. He has come, the comforter has come to show the world they need a savior. 
their righteousness, their good works, not enough. Of judgment, because the devil has already been judged. And you got to choose what family you're in. Two families on the earth, pick one. I know you've all done that. Right? Everybody in the room done that. So if that's the major where you can do despite to the spirit of grace, and this is then where the Holy Ghost got me. He said, if you can um, despise, insult, and ignore the spirit of grace for the salvation part, be careful you don't insult him on the other part. In other words, you're dealing with the sin. You're dealing with the habit. You're dealing with something going on in your life, and you just say, I can't do it. I can't be free of that. That's just who I am. And, I, and even though you call it sin, I call it right. Even though you clearly in your word says that this is not who I should be anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm no longer supposed to live in and practice sin. And see, when the spirit of grace comes to you and says, I can get you out of that. There's no temptation taken unto man, which you can't be delivered out of. And you say no to him and keep on practicing sin or keep on going your way. You are doing despite to the spirit of grace. You, you are insulting him. To tell him his power is not big enough to have your life equal the word of God. Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? I don't want to insult him. Have I ever? Haven't we all? He's a person. So we're going to pray. <laughs> we're going to pray. I want to be honest and sincere. I'm going to lead you, but let's do it together. Amen. What are we doing? We're positioning ourselves to know him, the Holy Ghost. Why? As we know more about who he is and what he does and how he does, then we can work with him more in his manifestations. People are silly if you think you can work with him in his manifestations and you don't know him. How are you going to follow him if you don't know him? So what are we doing? Well, we're kind of going backwards. We're looking behind the curtain. We're looking at everything. We're looking at every crack, every corner. Who are you? What do you do? What makes me a Holy Ghost man? What makes you a Holy Ghost man? What makes you a Holy Ghost woman? Knowing who he is and what he does. So in this, um, I think it would be extreme for somebody to insult the spirit of grace who is born again, but it does happen. But so if that's the max of insulting the spirit of grace when you're born again and you trod under the blood of the covenant that you're in and you, you, you reject him after you know him or you reject his ways, then that may be extreme. But then let's dial it down into where we live. Is he dealing with you? Is the Holy Ghost dealing with you? If he's saying, I can get you out of that, he's, let me help you. Let, let me be there with you. Let me guide you out of that problem. Your marriage is in a mess. Let me fix that. Let me guide you out of that. And you say, no. I got this on my own. Or I don't need your help. Even, so I would never say that. Well, we do that sometimes by our actions and by our words. Are you all with me? You understand what I'm doing? I'm giving you meat. I'm giving you meat this morning on a Sunday morning. Amen. So what we're going to pray. Say, Father God. If I am currently doing anything to insult or despite to the spirit of grace, I ask you to forgive me. Holy Ghost, give me another chance. Bring it back. Bring it back around and I'll deal with it. Hallelujah. That's just an open doorway to increase your... your
That's getting real with God. Getting real with the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to ignore you. I'm not going to ignore you. I'm not going to push you to the side because my flesh wants to do something. I'm going to deal with it. I'm ready to deal. (laughs) Hallelujah. What else can you do? Well, similar unto it. Y'all okay? Can you take more? I'm not going to grieve. So what do I do? Instead of doing despite, instead of... Um, instead of insulting, what am I going to do instead? I'm going to yield, right? I'm not going to do despite to him. I'm not going to insult him. Instead, when he comes to me, listen to me, you all know him. Are you born again? Do you know his voice? Do you know his voice? Do you know the voice of your good shepherd? Well, I'm trying to learn it. Well, there's where you're wrong. You know it. Well, I'm just trying to learn it. No, you know it. No, the scripture says you know it. Some of you have been taught that you got to learn it, but you know it. How do I know it? Well, because you're born again. Are you his sheep? The Bible says, John 10, 3 through 5 says, Jesus said, my sheep know. That's why people tell me, well, you know, when someone gets born again and they're being led by the Spirit of God, you know, that bothers me because I've been doing this a long time and I'm not even clear about the voice of God. Well, it's because you've been taught wrong. When you get born again, you know his voice. You become more accurate in it. Are you, is this all right? Is that scripture? John 10, 3 through 5. Romans 8, 14. Because you're sons of God, you're led by the Spirit of God. Who is the Holy Ghost? He's your teacher. And so he's dealing with you and me about stuff. Instead of doing despite or instead of insulting him, then instead I'm going to yield to him. I'm going to yield. Everybody say, I'm going to yield. Woo, glory to God. I, I'm, I'm going to respond to him. Everybody say, I'm going to respond. I'm going to follow him. Amen. I'm going to yield to him. Instead of insulting him, I'm going to yield to him. Instead of doing despite to him, I'm going to respond to him. Instead of, instead of going my own way, I'm going to follow him. Amen. And I know his voice. The voice, the Holy Ghost is the voice of God. It's not a voice out here. It's an inward knowing. Amen. I know it. I know him. I know him. All right? Hallelujah. The other thing is found in Ephesians chapter 4. The next one is, so the first one is you can insult the spirit of grace. Number two, you can grieve the Holy Ghost. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Amplified Classic. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Amplified Classic. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend him or vex him or sadden him. By whom you were sealed. Are you all sealed? Are you born again? You're sealed. Hallelujah. You're sealed up. Mark, branded as God's own secure. You're, come on, are you secure in your relationship with God? Do you know you're born again? You've been sealed with the promise for the day of redemption, of final deliverance through Christ from evil, and the consequences of sin. So as he says here, don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Now, you all know one of my favorite guys. Um, shout out to Rick Renner. Um, uh, uh, Rick said something. I was reading after some things, and he said something that really intrigued me on this. He said, this word grieved should be seen as a husband-wife relationship. This word grieve should be seen as a husband-wife relationship. How many of you know we are the bride of Christ? Jesus is our husband. We are the bride. 
And uh, um, so here he's, he's saying this word grieved is like a relationship between a husband and wife. And when something happens, uh, the husband, let's just say, because that's Jesus, when the wife does something, this grief is like that relationship. And, and, and the Holy Ghost in this matter is shocked. He's devastated. He's hurt. He's wounded and grieved because of the pain that is caused by unfaithfulness. So it'd be the same thing, a husband and wife that are married and the wife does something, then the husband would feel shocked, devastated, hurt. Well, he's God. He doesn't feel that way. No, he has feelings. He loves you. He's passionate about you and I being in relationship with the Lord. He's passionate to keep you and I connected to the Father. He's passionate about you knowing your relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we do things against that, he's grieved. He's grieved. Um, he, and, and when he gets grieved, that means to be saddened. It means to be offended. It even means to be vexed. In Isaiah 63.10, we're not going to turn there, but it says they rebelled and grieved the Holy Spirit. So let's look at another place. I do want you to look at Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Remember, uh, this is going on. Uh, Stephen is telling them what's up by the Holy Ghost. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. In other words, when the Spirit of God is trying to do something in your lives, you resist Him. Now remember, He's talking to a bunch of religious people who are not born again. He calls them uncircumcised in their heart and ears. How many know when you're born again, you get circumcised in your heart? In other words, there's an inward work. There's a covenant work. There's seal. There's a covenant that happens on the inside of you. So he's telling them, you're refusing to be born again. You're uncircumcised in your heart and in your ears, and you do always. Now, when the Lord uses the word always and never, it's like you and I. That's not something, you know, we do marriage counseling. We tell people, don't use the word always. Don't use the word never. But here he uses the word always. So this means always. people who are not born again, who don't know the Holy Ghost, they resist him. They resist him. And when you, so you can grieve or resist the Holy Ghost. They did it. Religion does that. Religion resists the Holy Ghost. Religion resists the manifestations of God. If they can't figure it out with their mind, they don't want it. If they can't control it, they don't want it. I mean, they don't understand you and I being born again, God living on the inside of us and us following the Holy Ghost, following things we can't see with our eyes, believing things that are written down that we know that are true and living our life in that way. So we we are on purpose then as the, the later the days get and the darker it gets, you and I don't want to be part of grieving him, the Holy Ghost. Amen? Everybody pray this prayer. Say, Father God, I thank you for the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I will not, to the best of my ability, grieve the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Um, let's look at this. Um, 
Yeah, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Talking about grieving the Holy Ghost. Listen to this. Now the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, speaks expressly than in the last times. Are we living in the last times? It's the later it's ever been. Is Jesus coming soon? In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Now, now, from the faith, this is general, from the way of being a believer in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean they become unbelievers, but they fall away from what has been sound Bible doctrine and teaching. The Bible says in the end, and I'm watching it with my very own eyes, the elect being deceived. What is deception? Deception comes from the devil. What is deception? To say that something that is written, that is the word of God, is no longer true for the hour we live in. Now, the Spirit speaks expressly in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. And when they start making sin okay, when they change God's word, they are speaking by seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, you can go in and out of that. Jesus, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. I got to go to the cross. You're never going. Get behind me, Satan. I don't know how many minutes that happened within. It's right next to each other in the word of God. I'm assuming that it happened in close proximity. One moment, Peter is having a revelation from God. And the next minute, Jesus said, get behind me, devil. So don't think it's strange when someone's speaking the truth and then on another subject, they yield to the doctrine of a demon. That's what it says. What kind of age do you live in? You live in an age where you got to know what the Word of God says for yourself. If I were you, I wouldn't take anything that I say and just take it. It needs some witnesses in the Word of God. It needs some epistle stuff. you got to be a Berean. you got to check the Word for yourself. Come on, just because somebody has a podcast, just because somebody is famous, that doesn't make them right. Just because somebody has a big crowd doesn't make them right. We got to stick with the word. We got to stick with the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? It says in the latter times, which now is, that they will depart from teaching basically sound doctrine, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, verse 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. How does the doctrine of the, how do you and I quit yielding to the Holy Ghost and believe something that culture wants us to believe, that they want us to believe? Well, it's because of a doctrine of a demon. It's because of seducing spirits and you begin to believe it. And in that area, your conscience is seared where you don't think it's wrong anymore. That's anything. Praise the Lord. I told you giving you meat today. Can you handle more meat? Can you handle more meat? Why am I telling you this? Because the Holy Ghost wants you to know it. This was not in my plan. This is not in my radar. Amen. I was going to breeze over this. I really was. I was going to tack this part on to like a last 10 minute of a sermon. Because I think everybody should know it. But the Holy Ghost said, back it up, slow it down, and tell them what insults me. What grieves me? 
and what quenches me. And I said, yes, sir. And you know what? No matter how well I know him and how long I work with him, I have a lot of room to grow. I have not arrived. And I want to know him. And if there's anything in my life that's insulting him, that's grieving him, that's quenching him, I'm getting it out. And we all in this room, because you're here this morning, we're of like mind. And the second service, we're one body. And I know we're going the same direction. But all he's doing is he's pulling it back a little bit. And then it reminds me uh, of when I say that, what he, Pastor Rondo always preach on. Before the Lord gets ready to thrust you out, he often pulls you back. <laughs> pulls you back. And then lets it fly. So that you can go further, farther, faster than you've ever gone before. Amen. So is this important? Is, it, is there anyone in the room that should discard this today? Nope. We should all look at it and say, is there any areas? Hallelujah. I, I sure don't want seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. <laughs> and listen to me. I don't know how you do it. I don't know who you listen to. But there's one person that, you know, I, I just like the way he preached. He, he kind of energized me. I just love the way he preached. But I know recently he's come out and said some things that I just don't agree with. So I can't watch him anymore. I can't watch him anymore. Because it's not a minor thing. It's not minor to call what God calls sin okay today. What are you talking about? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. It's in Romans chapter 1. Do we need to go? Or do you got it? Listen, let's just make this plain. I ain't scared. Any sex, any sexual relationships between America, the only thing that's acceptable in God, the only thing that's acceptable in God's sight is between a man, a man, and a woman. Sex before marriage is called fornication. It's unacceptable. If you married, sex with anybody else is called adultery. Unacceptable. Sex between same sex is, I'll say, it is an abomination before God. Do we love people? I, you love everybody. You, can they get help? God will help anybody and everybody. But you and I cannot suddenly just say that that's okie dokie with God. It's never going to change in the word. And if we start preaching another way, you have yielded. They have yielded to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And it's a slippery slope. It's a beginning, not an ending. What's next? No virgin birth? What's, no, what's next? No resurrection? 
What's next? Every way is acceptable. Jesus is a way. Well, we're just trying to make everybody feel comfortable. I'm just trying to make God feel comfortable. I'll just be real plain in front of y'all. We're working on some stuff. I'm working on some. These last days are going to be interesting. God wants to pour his spirit out. Hallelujah. And he's going to pour it out in the strangest places sometimes. If he can just find some hearts that are open and willing. Some people who don't think they know everything. Hallelujah. Some people who yield. Some people who respond. I think God would rather work with people who are ignorant than people who think they know everything. He can teach them. He's just looking for good hearts. Am I saying stay ignorant? I'm not. Hallelujah. Are you all with me? Hallelujah. Um, Look at this one. Talking about being grieved. Acts chapter 16. Um, This is about Paul. Remember that girl that was demon-possessed? And then Paul and Silas ended up in prison. Since it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination. So she's got a demon. She met us, which brought her masters much gain. So she was a, she was a modern day. Some of you are younger. You don't remember Cleo. But she was, a, she was, a, she was you know, I don't know why Cleo. I, bless her heart. I hope she got saved. Um, but... Um, you know, or whoever's out there, you know, medians and uh, even if they're pretty, even if they have a TV show, they're still, it's still demons. There's no fortune telling that's good. Don't read a horoscope. I'm an Aries. I'm a Pisces. No, you're not. You're a Christian. You're a believer. Well, those are fun. They're not fun. They're demonic. Well, we're just getting on out there today, aren't we? And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her master much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, this is how a demon does. It's not going to give you all poison. These men are servants of the most high God, which show us the way of salvation. That was true. But who wants a demon being your front man to get you a meeting? Verse 18. And she did this many days. But Paul being grieved. So this woman was doing that. I don't know if they didn't know what it was. They just didn't want to deal with it. But suddenly the Holy Ghost said, I have had enough. Shut her down. And he was grieved with it. I don't know if, it doesn't say he was grieved with Paul, but he was grieved with this demon even announcing these men are okay, they show us the way to Christ. And when he was grieved, watch this, when he was grieved, power came. No, you didn't get it. When he was grieved, when the Holy Ghost was grieved, and Paul turned to the Holy Ghost who was grieved, then power came to deal with something. I'm about to go into tongues here because I want you to get it. You need to get this. So on the inside of you, when the Holy Ghost is grieved with something you're doing, something you're saying, there is power at that moment to fix it. Because, ah, no, you don't get it. When the Holy Ghost, because people say, well, he doesn't deal with, you know, you know, we're under grace. The Spirit of God doesn't care what, you know, it's all forgiven. Not true. Not true, or 1 John 1, 9 wouldn't be in the New Testament in an epistle. 
Because when you sin, you're supposed to confess your sin. He's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It wouldn't be in there if you weren't supposed to repent. Well, repenting's not for us today. Well, that, you tell that to all seven churches who are New Testament church. Repentance is a gift. But when the Holy Ghost comes, when he's grieved with you or something that's going on, right then is the power of God to deal with it. And you're not dealing with it in your flesh anymore. You're dealing with the Holy Ghost who is grieved as well. And right now, it can be taken care of. Meditate on it. Think about it. Meditate on it. I've never said that before. Hallelujah, quite like that. All right. Hallelujah. So he was grieved, got rid of it. And then the last one is found in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. It says, this is a small one, quench not the spirit. Now this is in a laundry list of everything. The Holy Ghost is given a list just for fun. Let's look at it. We'll run into it. 1 Thessalonians 5, um, verse 14, we exhort you, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient. Uh, don't render evil for evil. Um, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in everything. And then he says, quench not the spirit. Then he says, 20, despise not prophesy. So he's given you a list of things. And this word quench has to do with don't extinguish the fire. Woo! I mean, you know, the Holy Ghost is likened in the, the, on the day of Pentecost as tongues of fire. In the old covenant, the Holy Ghost manifests, manifests himself as fire by night, a cloud by day. In the old covenant, when they offered sacrifices, fire came from heaven and licked those sacrifices up. It was the very glory of God. Fire is the glory of God. He said, don't quench. And what you're supposed to get here is on the inside of you, there should be a fire, the fire of God. And the Holy Ghost is like, don't quench me. Don't put dampeners on me. Don't turn your sprinkler system on and, and, and drown me out. What are we supposed to be doing? If we're not supposed to quench the Holy Ghost, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be yielding to the Holy Ghost. We're supposed to be responding to the Holy Ghost. And we're supposed to be stoking ourselves with the fire of God. How do you do that? It said his word is like a, you know, uh, his word was like fire. Uh, it's, a, it's a hammer, but it's like fire. Um, Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. Come on, the Holy Ghost will help you. When you feel like your fire is going out, you need to begin to confess the word of God. I am on fire for God. I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Come on, Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire. Come on, my God is a consuming fire. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. The fire of God is burning within the inside of me. What, make, what causes the fire of God to be quenched on the inside of you? Well, the Word of God is what the Holy Ghost works on. So it means if my fire's dim, if it's going out, that means I don't have enough Word in me. The Word is like the wood that you need for a fire. If there's no Word in you, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no material for God to come on. So anytime I'm lacking fire, what do I got to do? I got to get back in the Word. I got to stir myself up. 
I got to read some daily bread. I, I got to get a Rick Renner book and, and do a devotion every day. I, I got I to gotta, I gotta do something that I'm causing myself to receive the word of God so I can be on fire. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to get in the presence of God. And there's no greater place to do that than with fellow believers of like faith. That's why the Bible says, as the day approaches, and it's approaching quickly. It says, don't forget, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's a trick of the enemy to get people not to assemble today. We need each other. Come on, I, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. If you sharpen that iron, if you've ever seen two swords that are, that are made of iron ever go after one another, sparks begin to fly. No, sparks begin to fly. And what happens if you really got a person trying to sharpen you, as you get your swords going, sparks begin to fly. And something will catch on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Thank God for the word of God. And then we need one another. You need to be able, someone needs to be able to exhort you. Someone needs to be able to provoke you. Hallelujah. I didn't say go around correcting you all the time. I said exhort you. I said provoke you. Come on. Somebody that'll that'll help you when, when you look a little quenched. When you're not, we're not yielding as good as you used to. Someone you know real well. Come on, come on uh, send them a scripture today. Call them on the phone. You know, your phone still works. Hallelujah. Call them there. They can hear your voice where they, you can encourage them, where you can exhort them, admonish them, help them. Amen. What causes the fire to get quenched? Just not yielding. Just not yielding. So what am I going to do? I'm going to yield. I'm going to respond. Amen. I'm going to yield. I'm going to let him teach me. I'm going to let him show me. I'm going to let him guide me. Come on. I'm going to let him teach me. I'm going to let him show me. I'm going to let him guide me. I'm going to yield to him. I'm going to respond to him. I don't ever want to insult him. I don't ever want to grieve him. And I'll never want to quench him. Amen. Now, if you and I do those things, when we begin to talk about the manifestations, if we're not grieving him, if we're not quenching him, if we're not insulting him, can you see that if we know him, the Holy Ghost, then when it comes to the manifestations, we know who he is and then we're safe. And then when you feel safe, you can get in bigger and better and yield better. Because the reason that a lot of people don't yield to his manifestations to when he's moving in the spirit is because they're not sure if it's God. They're not sure what to do. But if you know him, you can be sure. No, I said if you know him, you know who he is, you know what he does, you know how he does it, then the more sure you are. And so that's why we got to look at every crack in every corner of the word of God. Who is the Holy Ghost? What does the Holy Ghost do? Who is he to me? And then, I, then when I know him, I can follow him. And I can be very assured. So it's very clear. I don't want to insult him. I don't want to grieve him. And I don't want to quench him. 